Pass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from Megaware Kill Guard Studios. Aaron, in just a few short weeks, 15 days to be exact, took me 15 days to turn one year older. How does that math work? <laughs> uh, yeah, but you look five years older. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. That's served up on a silver platter. Yes, it was. But uh, so, yeah, birthday was good and happy to be back in Texas. That's always a good place to air the show from. And fishing's going on. Dude, it's late in the year and fishing is still going on. Let's talk about that a little bit. We had the FLW wrap up the end of August. Still got some Costa events and things like that. You got the Costa Championship in October, so that's coming. But you still got national events on the horizon with the Bass Elite Series. You know, Aaron, something we don't see a lot of late fall. Well, I said late fall, really late summer, early fall because it's in the south. It's in Oklahoma, Fort Gibson getting ready to kick off. This is going to be a fun tournament to watch because we're probably going to see some techniques and some difficulties of conditions that we normally don't get to observe at the national tour level. Yeah, Kurt, I will be honest. I am not envious of being part of that. Um, I do enjoy watching other people suffer, but I have no intentions of, of <laughs> man. Putting yourself through it. Yeah, that's that just uh, that can be hot and the fishing can be very difficult, but uh, I guarantee you somebody's going to figure them out. As always, someone's going to figure it out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a couple quick predictions. Prediction number one is current or upriver is going to be a big player in this tournament. The other big player in this tournament is going to be shallow brush. That's my one-two punch for this event. We'll see how it boils down. The top anglers will move on to the AOY Championship the week after going into, I believe, a smallmouth country up north from there. So they're going to go for some crazy tough fishing, and the guys that qualify are going to enjoy themselves because we're going to get some crazy good fishing. So it's going to be the tale of the two tapes. But uh, those are my predictions for Fort Gibson and some fall tactics that are going to be working for these guys this time of year. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm sure finding the bait is going to be a big key. I know in years past when fishing tournaments in September, we've, we've had a lot of our championships in that month. It's kind of a deal to where you're either looking for a lot of bites or are you going to swing for the fences and go after a couple bigger bites? And it could be a heavier weight tournament than what most of us are predicting. And that'll be my prediction. I mean, I'm not going to call out any weight or anything like that, but I do believe that it's going to be bigger bags that will actually take the event at the end of the tournament. And uh, I think it'll be fun. It'll be great stuff. I tell you what's going to be fun is we're going to move into another phenomenal tackle tip from one of our pro anglers right here, brought to us by protecttheharvest.com. Don't miss this tip. It's going to make you a better angler. This episode's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with FLW Tour Pro, Wade Strelick. Hey guys, my fall tip for catching big bass would be to find the big bait. Those bass are going to eat big bait, and it's something that they're going to look forward to in the wintertime and to try to bulk up. So uh, definitely try to find the biggest shad or gizzard shad or whatever the forage is in your lake to catch big bass. Thanks, Wade. It's a great tip. First by land and now by sea. 
For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Aaron, moving into this segment of the show, we're going to do something a little bit different, but not because I had this great idea. It's actually because we had a uh, listener send in a note, and the listener, Mike Markovich, you know, wanted us to talk a little bit more about bank fishing. And so we're going to do that a little bit today. Oftentimes, I'm coming in from my tournament day. I got my keel guard on the bottom of my boat, thanks to Megaware and push my boat up onto the bank, not to worry about damaging my hull. And I see anglers fishing around the tournament way in sight, down the bank, down the way. And I think to me, for me personally, just because I've got a boat now and this is, you know, kind of the tournament aspect and, and what I've been doing, I don't bank fish a lot, but I grew up bank fishing and I was bank fishing a long time before I ever hopped in a boat, but there's a lot of bank fishermen out there. So I want to talk about some tips and tactics that we can provide anglers that are fishing from the bank that'll help them be successful and maybe a couple of uh, lures and just ideas that will uh, kind of just open open a discussion about bank fishing here. No, I think that's a great idea. And certainly uh, I share your experience. That's how I was introduced to fishing. Growing up on a small farm, having, uh, you know, ponds, and then obviously close to a small river, riding my bike down to that. But, you know, I think there's always the question, Kurt, when you're bank fishing, right? And and if you're walking, um, how do you pack your tackle? What kind of rod do you take? Because you can't, it's not like in a boat where, right, you've got tackle at your disposal and, and 30 rods in the boat that you can go to. Yeah, no question. So the way that I like to attack, I'm a two rod guy for bank fishing. I bring two rods. Anything more than two rods, you get, you know, stuff all over the place. You can leave one here, one there. You end up losing a rod or whatever. I'm a two rod guy. I'm going to be thinking before I leave the house, okay, seasonal behavior patterns. You know, what time of year am I going? What should be happening? What's the weather been? Just the same things I think about before I launch my boat. You know, I need to think about those same important details before I head to the lake. So I want to take a couple rods. I want to make sure they're not the exact same action. I want two different actions, one a little bit heavier. One might be a spinning rod, depending on what kind of lake I'm going to. Is it clear? Do I need to do some more finesse stuff? Or the other one's going to be a more of a medium action type rod. And then with my lures, the way that I want to pack my baits is I don't want a huge selection of baits. Again, I'm going to think about what the time of year is, what the behavioral patterns, and being that I'm bank fishing, I'm generally going to be fishing lures that are five foot 
and less other than a bottom bouncing bait, you know, a Texas rig, a Ned rig, you know, a Nico rig or, or something of that nature. So my lure selection isn't going to be near as great as if I'm on the boat. It's going to be detailed into a lot of things I'm going to be using five foot or less. Yeah, great point. I think the other thing that I would add, you know, generally, and this is why I like bank fishing because it forces you and not to go back. I'll never forget one of the comments that Mike Iconelli made years and years ago was fishing the moment and the current conditions. But bank fishing puts you in an element to where you have to, you're limited on mobility, you're limited on what you can carry. And, and like what you're talking about, I generally carry a small tackle box that can be belted, you know, maybe it's kind of the old fanny pack style to where you can put it on your belt and carry it on your back so that that way you have your hands to be able to work with, not have to worry about that. But go ahead and have both of your rods rigged, maybe something that's up on top if it's that time of year. For instance, like this time of year, maybe have a top water and then something that's going to run more little bit in mid column of that five foot range that you speak of. But also remember, I generally, if the pond or the reservoir that I'm fishing has uh, a lot of grass, the edges are oftentimes covered, you know, uh, several feet out. So I'll generally upsize my line just a little bit to make sure when I do get that fish on and it gets to that grass line, if I can't get him up on top to surf him above that, and he does happen to get down in that, that it's not necessarily going to cause me a break off because I didn't have the right line size. That's a great point, Aaron. I also want to mention the array of bodies of water that you could drive to in bank fish are much greater than you can fish in a boat. So that's another great thing about bank fishing. I think it's important to pick bodies of water that you can have most success on as well. And and what I mean by that is, sure, going to Lake Amistad and fishing on the bank is okay, but it's more difficult to have success at Lake Amistad than it's going to be to go to a 60-acre or 10-acre public lake, right? The structure, the cover is going to be much more easily accessible on foot to move around based on what you find once you get to the lake and seasonal behavior patterns. So if you need to target a little bit deeper water, then you can walk around down to the earthen dam side of the lake. If you're looking for more flats, more spawning activity in the spring, then maybe the other side of the lake provides, you know, some kind of feeder tributary, more flatter, calmer water. I say calmer, you know, just more flat, more area spawning type areas, you know, flatter geographic contours, those types of things. So if you can dial in a lake that kind of meets a good size for someone that's fishing off the bank, I think it's going to help bank fishermen be more successful. Yeah. And I think this is where the kayakers have it figured out. I know that's still a boat. But even from the standpoint, now you've got to be a little careful because when you start going, I prefer this time of year, kind of in those coming off the dog days, right? When things are just still stagnated stratification of oxygen. That's why I like a lot of the rivers, you know, the smaller rivers in that. And then that's where you can actually go down to some of that lighter tackle and have a lot of fun if they sport smallmouth in the stream or, or spotted bass. But getting, you know, where there's moving water and some of those eddies come in to where it keeps that water more oxygenated. If you can talk with the landowner and get access like off of a bridge to walk a stretch of the stream and go from gravel bar to gravel bar to where you can walk along the bank and have kind of the shallow, both shallow ends and then the deeper pool in the middle. Man, I've had some great memories of doing exactly what you're speaking of, Kurt. Aaron, that's a great tip. I also want to talk a little bit about strategy of fishing off of the bank, right? So, you know, first thing you do as you walk up to the bank, you think, oh, cast right straight ahead, right out in the middle. Well, a lot of times, as you see angler 
anglers in boats, they're casting toward the bank. So as bank anglers, don't just look out what's in front of you. Pay very, very close attention what's out to your left and right side down the shoreline. More often than not, that's where you're going to find your visible cover and good casting targets and ambush points that the bass are going to be using. So be sure to utilize what the bank is providing you. And at most cases, you want to be casting down the bank, not directly perpendicular out from the bank. For sure. Obviously, just depending on what the seasonal behavior are, you might need to target deep water. So you go down to the earthen dam or you find the biggest pools in the river, like you're talking about, that you can see have a little bit more depth and uh, target those directly away from the bank. But I think for the most part, anglers are going to have more success out from the bank. I got to tell a quick story. One of the most fun bank fishing types of experiences that I enjoy having is casting a topwater parallel to the bank, specifically a weedless topwater. It's difficult to do with treble hook style baits because cast a little two feet to the left or, you know, could get you in a situation with getting hung up on the bank. But anything that's snagless or generally more weedless type of lure presentation, like a buzz bait or a toad or a hollow belly frog or something like that, man, that is the best bank fishing I can absolutely think of. You're reeling that thing, you know, two, three foot off the bank and you just see them dart from the side and you're able to cover a lot of water and don't be afraid, you know, for you folks targeting banks, you know, make three or four casts, walk 40 yards or 20 yards, make three or four casts, walk another 20 yards, you know, keep hitting open water. There's going to be fish just like they do when you're out of the boat that move into and off of this cover on the bank that you can kind of retarget over and over again as the days go by or as the conditions dictate the type of lure that you should be using. Yeah, I would take it a step further too on speaking of your casting angles, using kind of that 45 degree angle. If you're casting as you're walking towards and casting out in front of you, when you pass that up on your 20 yard jaunt that you move forward, don't hesitate. If there's a little point or a, or a piece of structure, make sure you turn back around and that's the luxury we have for bank fishing. Cast it from that different angle back on that and a lot of times I've seen to where maybe the first time I came in on the upper side, but because of shade, because of current, because of whatever scenario, you'll actually get bit with the bait coming the opposite direction. One other final thing that I'll throw out, Kurt, is oftentimes, at least the places that I have banked fished before, you know, whether it's overhanging tree limbs or, or dealing with cattails or something, there's oftentimes stuff that you're having to try and, or, or even docks, right? Casting off of a dock. So normally I don't, I'm not taking my seven foot 10 bait casting rods and trying to use those. I'm going to use something that's a little bit shorter so I can make some roll cast, even like what you speak of on the spinning reel. But remember what condition that you're fishing around you so that you can actually get that bait to where it needs to be. Yeah, great tips, Aaron. I tell you what, there's a lot to talk about in bank fishing. We've covered some tips and tactics right here. Mike, man, I appreciate you sending in that question. That was a great question. Glad we could bring it up here on the show. And, man, we look forward to uh, tackling some of this as we continue down the road. And uh, send in those questions. This spawns some questions for our listeners. Love to hear more questions you have specifically about bank fishing, things that are successful, things that you struggle with. And uh, we hope to uh, do some continuing of this conversation in an episode here and there moving forward. So uh, without further ado, Aaron, it is time to chat with our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight featured pro for this episode. I'm excited about this. He's been on the show before. Always fun to chat with. Get ready for a little party. 
This is Bass Elite Series angler Paul Mueller. Hi, this is 2014 Bassmaster Classic Champion Randy Howell. This is Bass Fishing Hall of Famer Harold Allen. This is 2018 Bass Angler of the Year Justin Lucas. Stay tuned right here for more Bass Edge Radio. Know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Here we go, Bass Edge listeners. We got a party in the studio today. This episode's featured angler is a MLF Bass Pro Tour professional bass fisherman that has a knack for catching fish when conditions are tough. Welcome back to the show, Marty, the party Robinson. Thanks for taking the time to be with us again, Marty. What's up, guys? Just glad to be back on the show, man. Good to hear from you again. Likewise. And uh, speaking of since the last time you were on the show, you've obviously been fishing the original Major League Fishing format for several years now. Curious to know, was there a significant change with the new Bass Pro Tour format allowing for two days of practice that was an adjustment for you in 2019? And also kind of following up to that is how will you regroup for 2020 on uh, getting up to the top? of that leaderboard as so often as what you found yourself yeah you know Aaron, it was a little bit of change this year you know in the past when i fished the mlf selects you know it's always been based on no practice to show up pretty much just raw fishing and uh and you know i like that i enjoyed that format and it was fun but you know i also like any other tournament bass pro like to have a little bit of practice just to get a feel for the lake, know what's going on, and, uh, you know, just pretty much so you don't look like an idiot out there. <laughs> but the practice, I think what practice has done mostly, you know, with the two days of practice, and I do agree with two days. I think two to three days is probably perfect. But what the two days of practice has done, I think, for me and most of the other guys is, you know, it brings more of the deep game back into it. And uh, all bass fishermen out there they want to see both sides of bass fishing they want to see the shallow game they want to see the deep game so you know i think the biggest deal that it has done is brought the deep game back into it a little more yeah that's an interesting change that that made i remember you know fishing the mlf stuff marty and and like you say no practice you know there could be a couple guys that go left out of the ramp and a couple go right just out of a, a sheer coincidence of you know well let's go this way right just see what's going yeah. on a, oh, yeah. a place they just don't know and you know a couple of guys end yeah. up on the side of the lake where there's a better fish population than some of the others and they get a head start and, and it's tough to regroup but with the yeah. practice it seems like it's you know we never saw the fish catches in the mlf cups mm-hmm. format like 
did in the BPT format. A little bit of that's time of year. The MLF now yeah. fishing more in the springtime and in better fishing conditions than, than having events in the fall and after other organizations have their events. So it's interesting how it's changed a little bit. Yeah, and you got a lot of the fishermen that pretty much have built their career on fishing offshore. And, uh, you know, I mean, you've seen it yourself. You fished it. You know, a lot of times if you try to go out there a little deeper and maybe get away from everybody and, and get off the bank, try to find you something to yourself, you know, you'd start getting the scoreboard start running up and then you'd get in a panic and you'd have to go right back to the bank, you know, and it could happen quick like that. So I think that was good that they brought the practice back into it. You bet. Marty, we're talking about breaking water down quickly, ultimately, is kind of where we're headed with that. And and after all, mm-hmm. any angler, as soon as they hit the water, right, man, they want to get bites. They want to get some feedback. They want to have some fun, get the line stretched, all that kind of good stuff. What are you looking for during this time of year? I mean, we're approaching mid-September late September, mm-hmm. early October, what is mm-hmm. going to get Marty Robinson started in the process of catching fish quickly this time of year? You know, Kurt, I'd say in the southeast or where I'm from, you know, South Carolina, September is probably the toughest month of the whole year as far as bass fishing is concerned. You know, a lot of times in tournaments around here this time of year, you can win with 10, 12 pounds. You know, you don't have to catch a great big bag. And, uh, you know, that's due to... The water temperature this time of year, it can even get in the 90s. The fish have kind of scattered out. They've got off the cover or a lot of the structure, more or less. You know, like say in the summertime, early summer, midsummer, you know, the fish, they'll group up on these ledges. And that's when you catch a lot of times your big bag, bigger bags. And then those fish start to scatter this time of the year. They start relating to bait. They get really tough to key in on. But I think that's the biggest deal or, or why it gets tough or a lot of the reasons it gets tough. And, you know, I just key on. I look a lot for shade this time of year. I look a lot for isolated cover. The fish tend to, to get on isolated cover a lot. And, they, you know, they just seem to be scattered. You really have to stay focused all day because, you you know, you may only be getting five or six bites. and you got to cap- really capitalize when you do get those bites. Interesting point, Marty, because sometimes I look at why fishing is so tough for me during certain times of year, and that analysis can lead me to success. But in your opinion, what makes fishing difficult in the fall prior to waters really cooling off into the low 60s or or high 50s? Is it because of that stratification and, and the thermoclines and stuff starting to break down? And what is causing them to scatter, in your opinion? In my opinion, I think the fish start relating a lot less to cover and structure and they actually start relating to bait they kind of get the sense or the urge that winter's coming and they know they have to eat they have to feed up and get ready for a winter especially up north and uh you know i think they start really relating to you know schools of bait and roaming a lot with the bait uh especially on herring lakes where i'm from you know we have blueback herring here on a lot of our lakes on the savannah river chain and uh the fish seem to relate and chase those herring a lot. And, you know, a lot of times they won't stop and set up on something. They just keep chasing the bait, herding the bait. And, uh, you know, you see a lot of schooling action this time of year. And that tells me, you know, I'll see fish come up busting or chasing bait over 50, 60, 70 foot of water sometimes out in the middle of the lake. You're like, oh, good God, you know, they're way out here. How in the world is somebody going to find them way out here if they don't come up? So. In my opinion, that's that's more what it is. Unless you start dove, I mean, you can find them. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) All right. All right. That's what the the funny stuff. (laughs) Yeah. 
Uh, oh. here, here's the deal. So you've got these crazy fish running around out there in deep water. Are you going to just graph around, Marty? You know, let's talk to the listeners a little bit. How are you going to break that down? You're just going to graph around, just hope to see some schoolers. You're going to stay on the bank. You're going to hope that there's one on that brush pile still left that hasn't joined the rest of the pack to chase the schoolers. I mean, you talk about it being a difficult time of year. It's a good time yeah. to be out on the lake. You know, things mm-hmm. are starting to cool down a little bit. Water temperature's still warm. I mean, you know, once you get into the late part of September, you start to, you know, there's a morning or two that's going to feel a little fall-like, right? Yeah. You know, you're going to do two things, Kurt. That's like you said. Are you, are you going to get out deep or are you going to stay shallow? Well, you got pretty much you got two options. You can right. get out and chase those schooling fish and hope to run up on them and graph around a lot. But if I do graph around that time of year, what I'm really keying on and what I'm really looking for is balls of bait more than I am the fish, actually. Because, um, right. I mean, you know, you say if you get out there suspended over 50, 60, 70 foot of water and you start marking fish, a lot of times that could be any kind of fish. That may not be bass. and So a lot of times it's hard to tell the difference out there uh, when the fish are suspended like that. But I know one key ingredient that if I find out there, there is going to be bass around and that's bait. So, you know, when I'm graphing around that time of year looking for something, I'm really actually looking for balls of bait. I want to get in the areas where I mark a lot of bait. And if I get in those areas, then I'll settle down. I may fish some deeper points, offshore humps, get out there and cast around and maybe wait on some fish to break, look for fish to break, throw top water over some of those humps or ends of those points or real sharp breaks, you know, trying to bring up some of those spinning fish. Or, like you said, that you can go the opposite way. You can get on the bank and just cover as much water as you can and hope to get a bite here and a bite there off some type of uh, isolated cover, you know. And to me, that's really the only two options you've got that time of year. That sounds pretty tough. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the name of the game. <laughs> but I guess that puts the ball in anybody's court, right? I mean, you spend a little time or you can just roll up on the right area where there's some good bait. Or yeah. what about techniques? You know, you talk about two different ways to attack this, Marty, this tough fishing condition. And you've always called them when it's been tough, whether it's, you know, Marty picks up a little shake. Or, or, you know, know, I've I've seen you catch them schoolers out there on Murray before, things like this, right? So what techniques are going to be effective for you? I mean, some of them are pretty obvious, right? You see a bunch of schoolers up there, you throw a top water, you get it on the right right. spot, cast quick. But what other kind of things can you do when you're not seeing? them you're you found let's say this area bait out in open water whether it be in the middle of a creek channel out on the main lake some of those things you talked about what techniques there and then what techniques would you take to the bank well like you were saying there you know i'll take some kind of top water you you talk about schooling fish a lot in the fall of the year top water is obviously one of the biggest deal but to me top water is one of the best baits for triggering fish period that time of year whether i'm shallow whether i'm deep just seems like to me the fish are are looking up that time of year they're wanting to come up and get something and a lot of my success during that time of year comes on some kind of top water bait or something like that and i think if one of the big keys is that i can trigger those fish with a top water better than i can with any other bait it's late in the year most reservoirs that you're on or most bodies of water it's been super hot all year the water temperature's high so the lake's usually low and the lake's usually clear so Therefore, you're going to have some of the best top water conditions there is all year, especially starting off in the mornings. You know, the water has cooled off all night, 
So actually the surface temp is a couple degrees cooler than the rest of the body of water or down deep and uh, mid-range or whatever you want to call it. The surface layer is cooled down a little bit, you know, especially if you got a little wind blowing, it puts a little oxygen on the surface and it kind of makes the fish want to come up to it and, you know, feed on the surface, I think. So to me, top water is one of the best baits this time of year for triggering those bites because I can use speed to help me trigger those bites with top water and speed is critical, you know, most time when I'm throwing some kind of top water. And other than that, when I get around the schooling fish, if I can't get them to come up and get top water in the fall, you know, they're usually keying on real tiny bait this time of year a lot of times that's what makes the bite so tough and uh you know a lot of my other choices is going to be some type of finesse type baits you know the drop shot shake your head something real finessey things like when i'm fishing down in the water column i'm going to be fishing some kind of finesse that time of year a lot of times or something i can fish real fast all right good stuff marty let's power pole down real quick it's been educational so far we're looking forward to breaking this down a little more when we come back from this short break hang tight bass edge nation be right back Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge presented in part by Mercury Marine returns with MLF BPT Pro Angler Marty Robinson in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products for oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. All right, Marty, we're going to continue to look at breaking down some tough fall southern fishery conditions Getting bites is one scenario. We talked about that before the break. Sometimes catching better quality fish, totally different scenario. How are you going to target larger fish during this time of year? Man, as tough as it is, we're just going to target a bite. That's all we're going to target. You know, if everybody knew that question, I mean, that's the number one question in the fall. I mean, it is really tough to get a big bite in the fall. It seems like it's probably one of the toughest times of the year to catch a four or five pounder. But, uh, you know, that's the difference between winning in the fall and not winning. You know, a lot of people's going to have a limit, and then there's going to have one or two guys that's going to have a four or five pounder to go with it. And, uh, you know, from my past experience, still the old uh, urban legend, the bigger baits catch bigger fish. Yeah, I mean, that still exists in the fall just like it does spring a lot of times. Not all the time, but sometimes, you know, that's one of the best ways to catch a bigger fish or get a bigger bite is throw a, you know, a larger bait, larger profile. But something else that may help you a lot of times or helps me a lot of times that time of year to get that bigger bite is, uh, you know, a little moving water, a little current. And uh, I'm sure you've seen that, Kurt, uh, a lot of times, you know, just a little moving water in the, in the back of a creek, a little ditch running in, a pipe. You see a lot of guys catching big fish off a pipe draining a field or something this time of year or that time of year, just something that puts a little oxygen in the water. You know, those big fish will pull up there and they just, you know, get comfortable. It's easier to breathe and they don't have to move around a lot. But that's just another little key for me as far as getting a bigger bite that time of year. 
I feel like, you know, when you're trying to target that type of fish in the fall, that it's definitely a one offer. You know, yeah. if you don't just get lucky and catch one on the bank, like you mentioned before the break or in the school and activity on top water, like you mentioned, then running up toward a dam way in the back of maybe the biggest tributary where, like you mentioned, it's got some water flowing in. And then maybe that one that's little right. cutout bank that's got a log laying down, you might catch that four or five pounder, you know, that really yeah. makes a huge difference, but it's definitely a roll that's of the right. dice. And I feel like it's something you've got to really target. If you do get a good limit, like you say, 10 pounds this time of year in the South is a dang yeah. good little bag. You know, that's a dang good star. You got a chance to win. If you can find that one bite, oh, you yeah. might do that offshore or you might run to some isolated tributaries or current like you're talking about i think it's an awesome tip and i think that's probably anybody that has a lot of fishing experience would say that's definitely the way to go to just try to roll the dice and catch that four or five pounder oh yeah well marty and a lot of times you know how it is it's, it's running 15 miles to get two or three pitches on the place where you think you can get one big bite <laughs> Exactly. It's definitely a roll of the dice, but that's what makes you stand out at the weigh-in or, uh, you know, take them photos for social media bragging on your buddies. There you go. There you go. I'm interested, Marty, this next question. It's, it's kind of a trick question, I guess, because there is no right or wrong answer. But having spent a lot of time in the woods as well, you know, I always find it interesting on when kind of the uh, bigger bucks and deer decide to move, as well as then catching, kind of translating that over into the fishing world of when the big fish actually actually bite. So if if you had to pick one of the two or have a preference in your experience, would you pick the first four hours of an early fall day or the last four hours to fish? And which would you choose and why? Well, I would definitely choose the uh, first four hours of the day. That's because I think a lot of times in the fall too, this time of year, late summer, fall, the fish actually feed during the night. And then what you're experiencing those first four hours of the morning a lot of times is just the end of that feeding period where they have fed during the night or fed two times during the night and the water is cooled down all night and the fish are still kind of active in the morning. And most of the time this time of year, you can always get some kind of top water, just go down the bank and uh, you'll find a few fish left over that are up on the bank feeding from where they was through the night. So, uh, yeah, to me, it'd definitely be the first four hours of the, of the morning. Makes a ton of sense. I never thought about that, actually, but uh, I guess that's why you mm-hmm. get a quick start. It's so important in the fall because the fish up there on the bank still with that low light. And the night feed. They get crazy yeah. like they know Halloween's coming. They try to get Yeah. They got to eat, man. <laughs> All right, Marty. Before we go to a listener question, I actually asked this question on our last episode. I think it shows some trends in bass fishing. So uh-huh. I'm going to ask you the same thing. What lure or technique did you have the most success with in 2019? And in your opinion, why do you feel like it was something you leaned on? Why do you think it worked so well? To me, going back, you know, I know we've been talking about top water a lot, but uh, to me, it, it'd probably be, you know, top water technique because, you know, it's good from mid spring all the way to late fall. We've had so many tournaments 
during that time span, to me, that's probably been one of the most critical because I'm from Blueback Lake, so you know me, I'm, I'm always going to have a topwater tied on, and I'm always going to try to have some kind of early topwater bite going on. So, you know, a lot of times I've started with topwater, and I catch a couple key fish on it. So, uh, to me, I guess I would have to say topwater. Break it down for us. Blueback Lake, you probably like the walking-type topwater the best. And is that accurate? I do. You know, I've probably threw a walking-type bait more than I have anything, especially in the fall when they're relating to schools of bait. Obviously, I think a walking bait is one of the best. But, you know, we do throw a buzz bait a lot here. We throw a buzz bait, horny toad, something like that that you can just tie on in the morning and that you can burn some water with because that's a big deal, especially in the cup or select events of MLF. You know, you really got to cover some water just to get a feel for what's going on. Whether you're catching them or not, I think, half the time, it don't really matter. You're just seeing the water. You're breaking the lake down in your mind, and you got to do something while you're sitting there thinking. You can't just stand at the boat ramp and think, so you might as well put a top water in your hand and go down the bank, you know. Yeah, it'd definitely be some kind of top water. I guess there's too much of a kid in me, I reckon. I, you know, I like seeing that fish come up and get that top water bait. <laughs> yeah, he, All right. who doesn't? You open Pandora's box there on the buzz baits. Let's talk about that real quick. Is the buzz bait with a skirt a thing of the past? If you see somebody with a buzz bait and a skirt on it, do you just think, man, they're just not up with the times? <laughs> you know, you say that, and I see it around here. I mean, all these guys, all the boys I grew up fishing with, they all put horny toads or, right. you know, something on the back of a buzz bait. But me, man, to be honest with you, I've never done that a whole lot. Over the last year or two, I've kind of played around with it, but... uh I've never done that a whole lot. I still use the skirt a lot of times. I may be missing a lot of fish that everybody else is catching with these. <laughs> you know, that's why back. I asked the question. You know, it kind of makes you wonder. You see, obviously, it's a trend yeah. over the last six years, probably. Yeah. Um, over the last yeah. three years, it's probably been more prevalent to see just watching tournaments or TV coverage, that kind of thing. And, you know, you mm -hmm. put paddle tail swim baits, horny toads, any, any other kind of frog on there. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, just something that's got that little extra. But, you know, you put a skirt on there, you know, that thing's got a nice pulse to it when that buzz bait's ripping through the water. I've seen it happening over, like you said, last three or four years. I think it's really popular, but I've known guys to do it around here forever. And then it kind of made me think, well, maybe I want to try a horny toad or something, put it on the back of there. Then it got super popular. And uh, I think everybody's doing it now. So anytime I see that, I try to get away from that. So I'm actually back sitting here saying, well, I, need, I need to stay with my skirt because ain't nobody throwing a skirt on it now, you know. And, but i tell you what it does, Kurt. I've noticed when I did play around with it a little bit, it changes, to me, it changes the whole sound of a buzz bait. Maybe it gives it a little better presentation as far as being under the water. It lets the fish get it a lot. You know, the horny toad makes the buzz bait roll straight up a lot more, and it pulls it under the water. But to me, it changes the whole sound. And sometimes that's good, it seems like. But sometimes I think they want that the old squeaky sound of a buzz bait. I got some that's just got that squeak to it that, man, it just sounds so good. You think you're going to get a bite every cast you throw it. And, uh, 
And that's because it rides high in the water. It kind of lays over. You know how buzzbait kind of runs. It don't run straight up and down. It lays over right. on maybe a 45 with a skirt on it. But then right. when you put that horny toad on it, it makes it lay straight up, and it changes it more to a bubbling sound than a squeaky sound. And I think there's a time for each action of it. You know, there's probably times when they bite it better with the horny toad, but I, th- I still think there's times they bite it better with a skirt on it. As a follow-up to Kurt's uh, original question on things that obviously have worked that you've leaned on, I'll, I'll do kind of the antithesis of that. Are there mm-hmm. new techniques or any new techniques that you would like to explore or master during the off-season that you see may continue or develop into a more predominant role of your fishing arsenal? Yeah, what's the Marty Robinson yeah. trend for 2020 before we even get man, to I can't signature series. I can't tell y'all that, man. It's something, you know, it's a, little, it's a new technique I want to learn. I can't oh, be telling y'all all my secrets, man. Ain't nobody told anybody about a whopper flopper. You know, we heard out west, you know, how they're culture money <laughs> and the whopper flopper. And then Watson goes on over there to Table Rock and racks up a uh-huh. and all of a sudden there was like five guys in the top 10 throwing it and now it's yeah. still hot right but there's new bait coming from somewhere yeah. some, i think marty robinson knows about it already well man you know it's not a i guess it's not a big bait or whatever or you call it a lure or something but i've been kind of playing and, and looking and checking out that big ned rig craze I've been playing around with that Ned rig a little bit because just from my experience on it, man, it, it seems to be at times, uh, especially smallmouth, it seems to be a uh, big fish bait. You can get some good bites on it. And uh, it's also a finesse bait. So uh, that's really good if you can find a finesse bait that you can catch numbers on, but something that you can catch, you know, quality fish on too. So I've been playing around with that a little bit. You know, largemouth like it as well. I don't let nobody see me do it, but I, right. know, I, I play around with it. So. <laughs> I think the Ned thing, I think you keep seeing it grow, not in popularity, but what I mean by grow is like the lure size grow. You know, you went from like these Ned yeah. rig hooks that were like little number ones and number twos. Now we're easily into the one O's and probably getting on the edge of two O and three O size hooks for these oh, yeah. cut in half plastics or these super buoyant Elastec material plastics and it's got definitely an action that is different for the fish you know not, not something they've seen every day you think well how different can it be than a shaky head or you know it, it really kind of to me goes a little bit way back to the west coast when they threw darter heads a lot right i mean you heard a darter yeah. head technique yeah. i mean you know that's old school you know you get your little slider worm oh, yeah. slider dart that was some good stuff in time it's almost like it's re-energizing itself but yet it's a little bit yeah. pulled Bulkier, fatter plastics and stuff. So, oh yeah, and even when the uh, stick worm come out, a lot of guys was like, "Man, you know, there's nothing special about that bait." And then, I mean, how many eight and ten pounders you seen caught in Florida on on just a straight nothing looking worm? You know, everything has something about it that you know appeals to the fish, and you just got to figure out the little details of it. So, I've been experimenting with it a little bit, and. well, I hope the schedule lines up next year. We see Marty Robinson in the top 10 on a BPT event on a Ned rig. I think that'd be awesome. That ain't right, man. I'm winning points next year on a Ned rig. <laughs> you, you'll be out there with a <laughs> handkerchief wrapped around looking like a bandit because you don't want to be recognized as throwing a Ned rig. Yeah, there you go. I'm, 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 I might kill my reputation, but hey, you know, whatever it takes. You know, It's all about the Benjamins. Uh, they watching if you win it. That's what it's all about, right? That's it. 
Hey, they'll be out there throwing that little Ned rig. <laughs> you ain't lying. Be the Marty Robinson signature Ned rig. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're going to rock into a listener question segment, Marty. This is brought to us by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Marty, got a question from Matt Bates. Matt writes in line confusion. What is the difference Uh, between line and leader material? I have tied my own tapered leaders for fly fishing, which consists of a hard mono section for a butt end, then tapers down in steps to a fine, supple tippet end. Most interested in fluorocarbon tips here for both flipping and finesse techniques. Does leader material have different properties than the main line? Oh, man, that's a tough one. I've been with P-Line for several years now. That's the only fluorocarbon that I use, which P-Line does make a leader line. It's called Shinsei, and I think I'm saying that right. I hope I am anyway, but uh, I do use their leader material a lot, but I'm just like everybody else, too. I'll keep a regular spool of fluorocarbon, 100% fluorocarbon in my boat, and a lot of times, you know, I'll retie leader lines with that. But I do prefer the leader line if I have some in my boat. You know, it's a smaller spool. And in my mind, I really don't know if P-Line's leader material has a tapered end or anything like that. To me, I think it's just a little higher-grade fluorocarbon. Or it makes sense to me like it would be because it's a super small spool. I don't know how many yards it is. It may only be 50 yards or something like that, but it's a real small spool. And to me, you know, it's a lot more expensive. It just seems like it will be a better grade or a higher grade of fluorocarbon. And from what I've seen, it's really strong. And I'll use a six-pound a lot of times. And uh, it's the uh, six-pound Shinsei. To me, it's the best leader that you could tie on to, you know, like, a spinning rod or a finesse application but you know therefore you know you can use a regular spool of uh just 100 fluorocarbon two liter line you know it's easier to carry in your boat i know that the smaller spool is uh, yes. put it in your pocket or whatever you want to do <laughs> but that's my opinion on it i'm not too picky which you know i'll use a regular spool of line for liter line or you know i prefer to use the liter material so, Marty, Me, when you're using the cool. leader stuff, is it because you're always tying it to braid, or do you tie it to other types of line? Is your main line always braid when you're using that type of leader material? Yeah, it is, mostly on spinning gear. You know, obviously, a lot of people, you know, they'll use a 10 or 15-pound braid and tie a, uh, you know, leader line of 6 or 8, maybe even 10-pound fluorocarbon to it. That's usually what I'm doing with it. I've seen a lot of people or heard a lot of people that flip a lot of times, and they flip with braid, and they tie fluorocarbon to it. And uh, I've never really done that a lot. I really like to flip with fluorocarbon, even if I'm flipping heavy cover or even mats a lot of times. I'll use fluorocarbon, and uh, I know a lot of people frown on that. But I don't know. To me, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, I want to get all the bites I can. If I start breaking them off, then maybe I'll put some braid on. But I try my best to do everything I can with fluorocarbon. And then the only knot I use on my leader knot tie the uh, leader line to the braid is the FG. I think that's the best knot out there for do you, that. Do you put any glue on that, Marty, or just depend on the knot itself? You know, I used to. I used to tip it off with glue to keep it from maybe unraveling a little bit, but if you tie it good, snug, and you cut your tags real close, my kids kind of get on to me for that. Daddy, you're cutting your tags too close, man. <laughs> uh, it don't bother me, but you can fish with a FG knot for a good day, and it'll still be, you know, in great shape most of the time. After two days, it, it may start unraveling a little bit if you don't put, put the glue on. 
Glue doesn't hurt. I don't think glue hurts you any. Gotcha. Well, certainly we appreciate you uh, answering that question for Matt. Matt, there is one more thing that you need to do, and that is uh, simply log on to BassEdge.com, click on the Claim Your Prize segment tab there, fill in your information, and we will get the Bass Edge gift sent directly to your door. Another way is to simply send us an email at support at BassEdge.com or put any of that post up on our social media outlets. And remember, Bass Edge listeners, sending those questions to our website, BassEdge.com. There's a simple tab there to ask questions to the pros. Just click on it, submit that question. We hope that we'll choose it to have heard here on the show, just like Marty answered Matt's question. You can also leave those questions on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and send us an email if that is your preferred method. We look forward to hearing from you all. Well, Marty, as always, great to have you on the show again. Extremely educational. Any final thoughts for the Bass Edge listeners? Well, you know, man, if a lot of you guys hadn't, you need to check out this new format, man. You need to do some MLF fishing. You can go on there and, and download the app and you can have your own mlf tournament and uh everybody can keep up with you at home it's pretty neat deal you know we've done it me and my kids actually done it a lot after some of the tournaments this year and uh they really enjoy that so we've been playing around that a lot here at the house we'll get a bunch of buddies together and have a little mlf tournament and uh it's pretty cool man you need to check it out you bet, Marty. It's a lot of fun. It's a whole different level of intensity. And uh, I think it's a great place for all kinds of different ways to play games, just like we do in other sports. You know, whether it's basketball, you got horse, one-on-one, five-on-five, three-on-three. It's uh, <laughs> it's all fun as long as we're playing. So that's cool. There you go. Yeah. All right, Marty, I'm going to send you off with our final segment, four last questions for you. What is your favorite home-cooked meal? Man, shoot, that's easy, brother. That's easy. That's pinto Beans and cornbread, man. All right. Current artist or band on high rotation in your vehicle? I'm going to have to say a little bit of Cody Johnson, probably. I like it. Yeah. I always learn yeah. some. Whenever I ask these questions, I'm always learning some new stuff I need to check out. So that's good. I want you to ask Cody <laughs> Johnson. All right. Could you and Casey Ashley make a living as a country music duo? Oh, definitely, dude. Probably a better living than we could fishing, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'd have to let him sing lead. I'd have to be back up, but I think paired up, you know, up in Nashville probably. <laughs> I think y'all could do it. Ain't no question. Ain't no question. I heard both separate. I heard once <laughs> together, and ain't no doubt. It's like Brooks and Dunn. <laughs> Casey and Marty. There you go. <laughs> All right. What yeah. lake have you never been to? Because you've been to a lot of them. What lake have you never been to but has always been on your bucket list? You're still looking to check that one off. You know, I would have to say one that I've never been to and, and really wanted to go to is, uh, I think, it's Choke Canyon. I don't That's not sure. Oh, right. yeah. Choke Canyon. Great lake. Aaron's been there before. Yeah. I've been there before. Okay. Well, I've never been there, but I don't know how it is nowadays. But I remember hearing some, you know, five or six, maybe 10 years ago, you know, a lot of guys talking about it. It was an awesome place to fish. And, uh, I, you know, I kind of maybe come down around that way one day, stop out there. It's an awesome place. And a little fun fact about that place, it is the westernmost edge of the American alligator is found in Choke Canyon. And it's got some biggins in it. Oh, I'll have to watch out for the gators if I go. Dude, dude, let me tell you, Marty, you have never seen gators as, <laughs> as they are on oh. your game. They are gargantuan. Oh, 
It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. But yeah. there's some gargantuan bass in there, too. So <laughs> not okay. quite as prevalent as it was, you know, eight years ago or so. But uh, it's still got some yeah. things in it's a, it's a neat area. So you have to visit. Okay. Uh, All right, buddy. Hey, man, we appreciate you being on the show, Marty. Always, man, always wishing you the best. Got to tell everybody to stay right here. Bass Edge going to close out this episode in a moment. We got a couple more cool things to talk about. So hang tight. We'll be right back. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard Keel Protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Aaron Fall Fishing, I got to say, over the years we've been doing the podcast, something that continues to come up when we bring in the fall behavioral patterns is the most predominantly used types of techniques this time of year are definitely horizontal type techniques, not vertical techniques. That Chad bait fish deal, it is so strong and we hear it talked about more and more and more as we all become better and better anglers that having a lure or bait that you're utilizing horizontally this time of year typically outperforms a vertical presentation. I would agree with that. Yes, I would agree with that. There's the only instances that I've seen historically in my experience has been, but this is, I, I think this is more geographic specific would be on a lake such as like Lake of the Ozarks to where there's a lot of docks. But there again, you know, even in that instance, I'm looking for gizzard shad and you're really fishing for five bites. And if you get them, you're going to win it. And if you don't, you're going to come in with two or three good ones and you're still going to be middle of the pack. So uh, two schools of thoughts. But I definitely think topwater, huge this time of year. And then getting into uh, more of your mid-range horizontal running baits, you hit it spot on. Yeah, yeah. So with our last two episodes, you know, specifically here with Marty, we hear a lot of that. Even with Wade, you know, we heard some hints of that coming into that early September. Now with Marty, it's almost he's all in on those types of techniques. Yeah, he talked a little bit about a vertical presentation here and there, but you could hear the prevalence of those horizontal presentations, man. It was a great interview from Marty. Always love hearing what he has to say. He's got a great perspective. Really just basically no nonsense. This is what I like to do. This is how I do it, and this is when I do it, and you better do it too if you want to catch like me. <laughs> That's Marty's approach. No doubt, and 
I appreciate his comments um, concerning that and quite honestly his authenticity. I mean, like you said, he's Marty. So uh, always a pleasure to have him on the show. We are at show's close, though, for episode 312. It's been a fun episode, very educational and very informative. Hard to believe we're going to roll into October with our next episode, which means Halloween's on the way. I know, Kurt, it's always a stressor for you every year. Yeah. You got to start yeah. thinking about, you know, what costume you're going to dress up in and that. So uh, right. anyway, right. It'll, it'll be interesting to see those uh, social media picks uh, this year. But in the meantime, I hope everybody has a wonderful couple of weeks. We know you have a lot of choices to spend your time and we thank you for spending it with us. Be sure to go to BassEdge.com and social media to stay up on all things Bass Edge. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. So long, everybody. is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. 